2 Corinthians chapter 8, starting with verse 1, Paul is speaking to the church in Corinth as he's writing a letter to them. But as he's writing a letter to them, he highlights the church in Macedonia. Here's what he says. Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness and grace has done through the churches in Macedonia. That word kindness, I I want to put in grace because I want you to hear that today. In some translations it will say grace Uh, but what God has provided for us. I want you to see what God in His grace has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor. How many know troubles can have that effect on you? When you go through troubles, it can cause a poverty. It can create poor circumstances. He says they have many troubles, and they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they have not only, not, I can testify they gave not only what they could afford, but they gave far more. And they did it out of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift. I love that. They begged us again and again. Please let us give in the offering. They begged us over and over again for the privilege of giving and sharing the gift with the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to. To do. Father, I pray this morning that you would cause us to grow in the heart of generosity. I thank you for, for the generosity that is in this, this house. I thank you for the givers, for those, Lord, who have, are faithful to honor. And, and God, I pray that that would just increase, multiply our giving, we pray, Lord. Father, I pray that, that there be more givers, that, God, we would come together for the purpose that you have to join in what you're doing in these days, we pray. And we ask this for your glory. Speak to our hearts and let us have a changed perspective today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you miss somebody that you're greeting this morning, just shake their hand real hard and give them the title of the message today. It's called Thanks is Giving. Thanks is Giving. Thanks is Giving. Now watch out for that person who said uh, thanks is giving, so I'll let you practice on me. Go ahead and give it a... I love the description that Paul is giving to the church in Macedonia. And uh, let, let me just bring you, bring you up to speed. If you've not been with us for the last couple of weeks, we started uh, three weeks ago and uh, talking about offering up. And our goal is this, that we would increase in our level of, of stewardship, that we would reach a greater level of stewardship in our lives. We made this statement that when we're in situations of need, Our need is not that we need more stuff before we need more stewardship. We don't need more stuff before we need more stewardship. And that word stewardship or steward is to become a manager. And so we've we've talked about that over the last couple weeks. We're going to wrap this up this morning uh, with a a special offering. And Paul gives this description uh, of the church in Macedonia. He says, they are being tested by many troubles and they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. Now, I know we can understand part of this, that when you have many troubles... Those many troubles can produce a sense of poor circumstances. That when you have many troubles, it can cause you to be very poor. How many can understand that? But here's what's interesting. He doesn't contrast that by saying, but they have an abundant joy, therefore they're very rich. 
think about the contrast or think about the comparison. He says there are many troubles, therefore they're very poor. But there's overwhelming joy, and we would think, oh, they're very rich. No, he doesn't say their overwhelming joy causes them to be very rich. Their troubles make them very poor, but their overwhelming joy doesn't make them very rich. The overwhelming joy instead makes them richly generous. Isn't it interesting that Paul doesn't say they're not marked by what they have. They're marked by what they give away. I want to say to you today, you're blessed not because you have the ability to acquire. You're blessed by what is able to give and what's able to pass from you that you're able to share and pass along. If you want to live a blessed life, I'm sure every single one of us around here would say, I want God's blessing if you would say today, I want God's blessing, we tend to, to associate God's blessing with provision that comes to us, and that's worth it. There's no doubt. If God has blessed you with good health, if he's blessed you with a good job, if he's blessed you with resources, he's blessed you with a home, he's blessed you with family, he's blessed you. You can count your blessings and give God thanks for what you have. That's appropriate. It's appropriate to thank God for what you have, but I want to challenge you to increase your level of stewardship, to not only thank God for what you have, but to thank God even more for what you can give. I want you to catch that today, because if we're going to grow in a level of stewardship, we're not just people who are thankful for what we have. Yes, be thankful for what you have. You've got to thank God for what he's given you. But I want to challenge you today to not just live a life of blessing that is, a, that is marked by what we get, but a life of blessing that says, I'm not just thankful for what I got, I'm thankful even more for what I'm able to give. Because the blessed life is not marked by what you get, but by what you give. Your life is not blessed because you have the ability to receive. Your life is blessed because you have the ability to give. That is the marking of our lives. And this is what I want to challenge us in this morning as we look at this, this message today called Thanks is Giving. We gathered around our tables. We shared maybe in a Thanksgiving meal and a time together. And all of that, of course, bringing thanks to God. And when we think about this idea of thanks and this giving... It's interesting that when we sit around the table and it happened at our place and everyone then is ready to give grace. I don't know if you call it that at your house, that who's going to say the grace? Some say who's going to say the blessing, who's going to, but when you say the grace, and I, I love that word grace because I want to focus on that this morning. I want us to see how important grace is in our lives to affect us as givers. To affect us as people in generosity. Let me ask you today, are we being rich in generosity? Are we rich in generosity? Is there an overflow of rich generosity in our lives? I don't want it to be a secret this morning that we're going to end this service with a pure agenda. And the agenda is this, that we're going to receive an offering for missions. We've, we said this as we began the series, that we said we're going to end this series taking up a special offering. This is my prayer, that this would be a monumental offering here at Faith Assembly, that we would give more in missions than we've ever received in a monthly offering. We do this on a monthly basis, but my prayer is that through this series, as we're talking about stewardship, that we would give from Faith Assembly the largest missions offering we have ever given, that it would be monumental so that we could send more out, do more, and reach more people to reach their purpose. We want to partner with missionaries who are around the world, like 
people who are serving in India to rescue those who are in sex, uh, sex trafficking, that we want to partner with them. We know them. They've been to our church. We know their names. We have relationship with them. We're partnering with them as they're working in India to see lives change, to see young girls that are sold by their fathers to be redeemed and rescued. We're partnering with people who are in Africa who literally, a man who was, was training as a firefighter and serving God, God just gave him a heartbeat and taught him the ability. He went back and got some training on agricultural things. He has now moved his family to Africa to help them learn how to grow things in a land that is, that is stained with drought and difficulty in Africa. We know that person. He told his story in this church. We laid hands on him and we prayed for his family of four as they've now the last two years have been in Africa serving. We're partnering with people who are developing missionaries and pastors who are doing Bible classes and, and schooling in areas that are able to, to teach and train with the purpose of sending them out into Muslim areas, into cultures. We know those people by name. They live just not far from us because we've partnered with them and they're going into areas that they're able to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is why we're going to give at the end of this service. Not that Faith Assembly can build another building or start another campus or do other things, which if I were to say to you today, we have a purpose and a vision. Those would be visions worth giving to. But we're saying to God, God, we don't want to give for what you're calling us to do. We want to partner with what you're calling them to do because we know it's more blessed to give than to receive. We want to practice the heartbeat that if we catch, catch the vision of what God wants to do in another place, in another ministry, when we give to that place, how many know God is the God who always knows how to make sure it gets back to what he wants to accomplish in our lives? That we're partnering. This is why we're giving. We're giving so that we can see people one to Jesus Christ. And I'm praying that this will be the largest missions offering we've ever received in a month's time here at Faith Assembly. How many are excited to give at the end of this service this morning to be a part of something bigger than you've ever experienced before? I told you, set your clock every five minutes. It's going to be time to clap. Here's Paul, and he is not standing before the church in Corinth. He's writing a letter. He's writing them a letter saying, I want you to get ready. I'm going to be coming by. And when I come by, I want you to get the offering. Titus is going to be coming, and you're going to be giving an offering, and I want you to collect or be ready to give that offering. I want to write to you and, and to encourage you in this second letter that I'm writing. He's saying, I wrote in the earlier one, and I told you, you guys were a part of me starting this journey. If you read on, he says to them, so I encourage you, finish what you started. You were the church that helped me get this started. You, you gave in offerings that we might bless other churches. And now today there's a need in Jerusalem. And Paul's saying, I want you to be a part and, and give so that we can bless the church in Jerusalem. And as he's writing to the church in Corinth, he says, I want you to know what God is doing in Macedonia. I'm sure they would have read Macedonia like some would even say, what good can come out of Macedonia? What's there? How They've not been established long. That's not a long history church. They don't have a lot of resources. I mean, that church was just started not long ago. We're older than that church. What do they have? We've been around longer than they've been. How in the world could they be giving? Paul says, I want you to see what God is doing among the church in Macedonia. They have many troubles. They're very poor. But they are overflowing with abundant joy. And it's causing them to give or to be richly generous. It's causing an outflow. Paul's saying to them, I want you to be a part and I want you to know what God is doing in Macedonia. He's collecting an offering because the church in Jerusalem, where the church started, by the way, 
This is where everything began was in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was kind of the home church, the hub church. They were the missionaries that were sent out. And the reason they got sent out is because Paul says and would even recognize that he was part of the persecution that was happening to the church in Jerusalem. But persecution came, and because persecution came, the churches were spread out. And how many know that that church was planted not because everything was so good, but because it was in difficulty? The church that spread to all the places around Jerusalem spread because of persecution. It was persecution that pushed them out. It kind of goes against the, our, our, our concept and understanding when we think, hey, we want to plant another church. We want to start ministry elsewhere. We do things like make sure we have enough money, make sure we plan it just right, and that's all wisdom. But here, the early church, the first church was not planted because they had money or because they had resources. They were planted because they ran for their lives. They were running for safety. They were running for their lives. But as they were running with or for their lives, they ran with the gospel to proclaim life all around the world. They brought the gospel with them. As a result, they all got pushed out. The church in Jerusalem then was left behind. The church that was there was not as strong because they were chased away and there were droughts and things that were coming in and persecution still happening. In this case, the mother church, the home church, They sent missionaries out, and the missionaries then collected money to send back and support them. A little different than we would look at missions today where we want to receive missions here and send out, and that's rightly so. But in this case, the church in Jerusalem was weakened as everybody left, and there was a need that they had. And Paul said, I want you to get ready to give because I'm going to come by and we're going to collect an offering. I'm saying to you today, get ready to give. Because we've been telling you from the beginning of this series, we're going to come by and we're going to collect an offering. We're going to collect an offering to give to missionaries and to give to the work that God is doing around the world. But when he looks at the church in Macedonia, it's interesting to me that Paul says of them, their many troubles, they're very poor, but they're filled with abundant joy and they overflow in rich generosity. I've got to ask us today, What is it that could cause a people who are so troubled and so poor to give so generously? How does a troubled people with poverty give so generously? And here's the answer. Only by the grace of God. Now I know you can say that and we've heard it, but I want you to catch today the importance of understanding grace. Because when you understand grace, it changes your perspective. It changes the way you look at things. How in the world could they give only by the grace of God? How in the world do you do anything you do only by the grace of God? I want you to know today, whether you believe in Jesus or not, that's okay. If you don't believe in Jesus, that's all right. You don't have to, you don't have to come along and, and, and meet a certain standard before we're going to love you. We love no matter what. We love no matter when God brings you along. You're okay to be here. If you don't believe in Jesus yet, that's fine. But we're believing this and keeping this, that the more we get to know each other, the more you're going to get to know Jesus, the more you're going to know how much he loves you and how real he is, and you won't be able to deny his love for you, and you can't help but receive his love that he has for you. But whether you follow Jesus or not, you are living by grace. You see, even the person who is further, the furthest from God, and however you measure that, I don't know, be careful in measuring who's far from God, because sometimes when you think someone is so far, you might be further than you think you are too. Because the tool you use to judge with really might be the one that you're not understanding or standing on the right side of the line. 
you might be at the negative end when you're, not, you're thinking you're at the positive end, and that number might not be what you thought it was. So be careful judging. But even the person you think is the furthest away from God, even that person exists only by the grace of God. Everything that lives and breathes is only because of God. If God takes away his breath from us, whether you're a believer in Jesus or not a believer in Jesus, you have nothing except for the grace of God. I love what, what I believe it was Jonathan Edwards who made a statement or one of the, one of the, uh, the, the uh, pastors during the great revivals. He said, but for the grace of God. There go I. But for the grace of God in my life. It is only by God's grace do you know how much grace has affected us. And here's the answer to the question. How does someone so poor give something so much? Only by the grace of God. I want you to see today how grace impacts our giving. Let me show you today the impact of grace, how it affects the way that we give. There's three things. They're already on you version. If you're following along, the notes are already there. You can add some notes to it or you can write these things down. But just three things that grace affects our giving. Number one, grace causes our giving. It causes us to get through us. Grace causes giving to get through us. It causes it to get through us. Grace allows it to get through us. Notice what he says about the church in Macedonia. He says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, remember he's writing the letter to the church in Corinth. He says, I can't, I've got to tell you guys what God is doing through the church in Macedonia. What God's kindness and grace is doing through the church in Macedonia. Recognizing that it is what God is doing through them. When you allow grace to be your perspective, you will begin to see what God is doing through you. Whatever is done through me is done only by the grace of God. If there's anything good in me, it is only by God's grace. It is only by his glory. I don't look at the things that are about me to recognize me. I see what God is doing and it can only reflect the grace and the goodness of God. Everything I am is because of the grace of God in my life. How are you saved today? For by grace are you saved through faith. It's your faith, but you didn't even get your faith on your own. You didn't drum up your faith. You didn't work up your faith. The only way you got faith is because God says, here's the gift. I'll give you faith. It's like your father saying, hey, here's money for you to go buy everybody uh, presents for Christmas, including myself, but I'll give you them. I'm going to completely fund it, and you, all you have to do is go shop with it. I mean, that's a pretty good deal. God has said to us, Jesus says, I want you to have abundant life, the abundant life, the joy, the, the, the peace that overflows, the fruit of the Spirit, everything it is. I want you to experience life abundant in me, and I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to give you grace to make all this possible. What is grace? Grace is when I get what I do not deserve. And how many know that when you get grace, when you get something you don't deserve, it causes you to have an attitude of sharing rather than a possessive attitude of holding on to. If you don't know grace, you'll hold on to stuff that you should be giving away. But when you know, listen, when you get what you don't deserve, how many know when you get what you don't deserve and you realize this was a gift, this was a blessing, I don't deserve it, therefore I'm going to allow it to get through me. But if you don't see grace properly, grace without grace, instead of generosity, we become greedy. Without grace, we miss the eyes of looking out for those who are still yet to hear. It is not a good thing 
when we can do so well at having church and doing church and be content to come and have good services but not even give a thought that there are people dying outside of these walls. Grace says, I can't help but notice what's going on around me. You see, because too often we look at grace for what God is doing for us, but grace causes us to see what God wants to do through us. Grace gives me the perspective of what God wants to do through me. If I have received salvation from God, and I have received what God has given me. I should be thankful for salvation. But if, if it has not affected me to where now it has brought me concern for someone who is not yet saved, then I haven't really received grace. I've not received it by grace. I am somehow, in my own way, acting as if, well, I got what I deserve. I know we wouldn't want to say that. But if we're not willing to share and pass on to someone else, Then we get caught up in our world, and here's the problem. Instead of it getting through us, it gets stuck on us. How many of us sometimes have to admit, sometimes we just let life get stuck on us? Sometimes we just let life get stuck on us. Instead of it getting through us, we're stuck on what we're going through, what's facing us. I know this might sound like one of these old adages of someone saying, hey, well, if you think you have it bad, just think of someone who has it worse than you. I think there's some value that when you're going through life's troubles, That when you're going through pain, start reaching out and helping someone in their point of need because it has a way of affecting you in your point of need. It's this whole sowing and reaping thing that's a kingdom thing. The kingdom of God thing that when you begin to carry, instead of an attitude, and here's what we can tend to do, that I'll help someone when I feel good enough. I'll help whenever I feel right. Whenever I feel like, and we put it in the context. I want you to know only God can make this work. But even in your pain, if you bring healing through your pain, God has a way of bringing that around to bring healing in your pain as you bring healing to someone else's pain. I can't understand it. I can't tell you how the seed works and it goes in the ground. I just know you reap what you sow. I just know that what the Bible says, that when we give, and so not being at a place of when we can afford it or when it feels right, but we allow it to get through us. Grace says I don't deserve this, and because I don't deserve this, I can't hold on it like on to it like it's mine. I've got to hold on to it loosely and allow it to flow through me, to allow it to be something that works in my life. It's got to get through me. If it doesn't get through me, then it's not grace. Grace is an overwhelming passion. An overwhelming passion. Do you have a passion about telling someone how good Penn State is doing when Ohio State won and now Penn State is playing for the Big Ten? I'm not excited about that or anything. Being a Penn State fan all my life. I mean, I'm pretty excited. I mean, I texted somebody yesterday and told them how excited I was about the Penn State win. Now, they were excited about it too. But how many know that sometimes there are experiences in our lives that we can't help but share with someone else. How many know what I'm talking about? Can imagine Pastor Kyle and Leah having the baby. Hey, did they have the baby? I don't know. Didn't hear anything. And all of a sudden we find out, oh yeah, we had it two weeks ago. What? What? Why? No. Their passion is, I can't wait. And you know what else? We all stood by our phones waiting for the text to come to see when it was those of us that were around. Why? Because there's this eagerness and excitement. Is grace... You want to know if you have grace? Grace says, I can't wait to share this with somebody. 
Grace says this has got to get through me. It's not just what God has brought to me. It's what God wants to bring through me. Grace gives me a perspective. This is not what I deserve. Therefore, I can't wait to share because this is far better than what I ever deserved. Far better than what I could afford. Far better than I could ever get on my own. How many are thankful for the grace of God that he gives us that saves our life? Come on. It's been, it's been more than five minutes. You might as well clap your hands. Let me give you number two. When we see grace, it affects us as a giver. Grace allows it to go beyond you. That when you, when you recognize grace, it goes beyond you. Grace allows it to go through you. And this you might say, well, it's saying the same thing. No, here's what I'm saying. Grace goes beyond you. Because notice what they said here. Paul says, I want you to know about what they've done. They've given an offering. And I love what he says here. He says, um, that God in, what God in his kindness has done for them, I can testify, they gave not only what they could afford, but they gave more than they could afford. Now someone here is going to think, well, that's not responsible. They gave more than they could afford. Okay, here's the problem though. Sometimes the same people who would say they gave more than they could afford are the same ones swiping credit cards paying for things more than they could afford. It's interesting to me. When was the last time you ever gave to God more than you could afford? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. When was the last time you ever purchased something that was more than you could afford? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. My point is that when it comes to giving, we sometimes all of a sudden become real responsible. When it comes to giving, we're like, all of a sudden it's like we just become real responsible overnight. Well, you know, I've got to really make sure I can afford that and make sure that's enough. But when it comes to spending, all of a sudden responsibility is like, whoopee, we'll just take care of it later. I'm sure there'll be a bonus somewhere down the road. We'll be able to make, for, make up for it somewhere. When it comes to spending, we somehow lose a sense of responsibility. But when it comes to giving, well, I don't, mm, I don't know about that. I've got to really think that through. I've got to really. But here the church says they gave more than they could afford. So what am I saying today? Empty your bread. No, I'm not saying that. That's not, that's not it. I'm not saying that we give everything, but we allow God to say, God, Stretch us that we would give and be a part of what you're doing. They gave, and here's the essence of grace. This is where grace comes in. Grace is the power of God. Grace is the power of God at work in us. Grace produces things beyond us, what we don't deserve. Here's where grace comes in. The Bible says we were sinners. We all deserve death. Jesus died on the cross. By grace, he came and purchased for the sin that we paid. He paid our price. He also gave himself up as he died willingly three days later. What happened on three days later? The Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord came, that the Spirit of the Lord brought life to him, and three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. The stone was rolled away. That was the work of grace in action, what was taking place. Grace is not a wimpy thing, grace means power. He has given you the grace. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is at work inside of each and every one of us. That He is a God who is able to make something out of nothing. That when we give to God, grace allows us to give beyond ourselves. Here's what I'm saying. Grace allows you to give to the point where it doesn't make sense to you and you become so generous to give to God what maybe at times does not make sense, but grace says, I know that my God is able to produce something out of nothing and I'd rather live on his account of spending or giving more than I can afford than living on my own account and spending more than I can afford. I know this might stretch some of us and I hope it does. Because this series has stretched me. I've been 
stretching, giving. And that's all right because I need to. It's all right because there's seasons in life. They say, God, I'm ready for what you want to do in the next season of my life. And God says, well, let's make sure you're getting ready. Because you're going to have to make more room to trust me and to work and what I want to do in your life. Because I can't expect to get to a new place by doing the same old things. I can't expect to walk in a place I've never been before when I keep practicing the same things I've always learned and the same things I've always done. You see, he's stretching me. Oh, I want at a place where giving 10% is good. But that's where God started me. Because he wanted to teach me and stretch me and grow me. Why? Because this is the work that he wants to do in our lives. And we allow God to be a part of what he wants to do in our lives. We make room for him to do even more. Giving beyond ourselves. That we give to a place. I heard someone say one time, they were talking about a building program. And they said to an individual, they said, uh, how much are you going to be able to give in the building program? And they said, I could probably give $100. That shouldn't hurt me. And the guy responded, he said, oh, so you're going to give more than $100? He said, no, I said I'd give $100. And he said, but you said it wouldn't hurt you. Yeah, I know. And the guy said, well, if you're going to give, you ought to give something that hurts. The Bible said of David, David said, I'm going to build a place of worship for the Lord. He said in 2 Samuel, when they wanted to give him the stuff for free, David said, how in the world could I offer to the Lord a sacrifice that costs me nothing? Grace says, I know what this is. Grace says, I recognize what what he's done for me. Grace says, I recognize that this has got to go beyond me. I don't want to just give just what I think that I can afford. I don't give. Listen, if you're giving to God what you can afford, that's not giving. Here's what they said, verse 5. Notice what verse verse 5 says. They first gave themselves to the Lord, then they gave themselves to us just as the Lord wanted them to do. What is giving? Healthy giving is not when you give according to what you can afford. Healthy giving is when you give according to what the Lord wants you to do. Don't ask me today, how much should I give? I'm going to say to you, what's the Holy Spirit telling you? What's the Lord saying to you? What is God speaking to your heart? And you say, well, I don't know how to hear that. Can I say to you, this is a good place to practice. Let me tell you why. If you're saying, I don't know how to hear God's voice and I need to learn how to hear God's voice, the safest place you can learn hearing God's voice is in giving. Here's what I want to say to you. You can never accidentally give God too much. If God says, give me this amount, and you say, what? And you give God that amount, as you honor, listen, as you're honoring God, don't make it up in your head, but as you step out and you trust God. I remember one time, I was at a uh, missions event, and uh, Jody had uh, um, uh, lost her ring, and so I made it my decision that I'm going to buy her a new ring. So I started saving up money for a new ring. And while I'm at this missions place, Jody doesn't know I'm saving up the money, so I got, you know, opportunity to make this decision. It's time for the missions offering. The Holy Spirit says, give the ring money. What? (laughs) Holy Spirit. Surely it was the red robin or something I just ate. I mean, that's just, give the ring money. What? I didn't tell her my plans, but that day in the offering, I gave the ring money. It was some money I'd set aside to buy a ring. And I gave the ring money, her not knowing my plans or intentions, but the money I had set aside, I gave the ring money. And uh, God has in his way that Jody was given a gift from a family member that was a ring that was more than what even I could afford and a gift that was provided 
And God says, I know how to take care of the things that you desire better than you do. So you go ahead and give what you saved up to buy this, and I'll take care of giving something that's more valuable. I can't tell you how it works except that when I know the Lord says it's time to hear his voice, one of the best ways to learn is when it comes to giving because you can never accidentally outgive God. That when you trust God, God, I'm going to step out in this principle. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to believe in your word. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to take you at your word. I can't tell you how many times it happens that God supplies all of our needs. Why? Because I'm living by grace. Do you know what grace is? Grace is God's economy. Do you know what work is? Work is my economy. I get what I pay for. I, I get what I, what I work for. I earn it. And how many know if I'm going to live in the kingdom, I can't get there on works. I can only get there on grace. That I've got to allow it to go beyond me. Does this make sense to anybody this morning? That we come to a place that grace allows it to go beyond us. That in our giving, that we honor God. That we give in a way to honor God. That we give in a way to bless God. Grace allows it to go beyond us. I want to challenge us today that when it goes beyond us, it's our ability. I'm going to ask the worship team to come and, and help us close this morning. But it goes beyond us. Notice it says they gave more than they could afford. They gave more than they could afford. When you think about that, and all of a sudden you think responsibly, like, wow. But yet we can somehow spend more than we can afford when it comes to giving. You got to give more. Here's the woman who is a widow. Jesus is standing at, the, at the, uh, the offering place where they're all taking up the offering. And Jesus is standing there watching people put money in the offering. How awkward would that be? It happens every day you put money in the offering. He sees what we do. Jesus is standing by the, by the place where they would leave, and they're putting money in the, in the offering, and he's watching people go by. He watched rich people put their money in. And here's what's cool. They would have used not this exact container, but it would have been special metals and things that were used for collecting the offerings. They didn't have paper money like we had. They would have had coins and when they walked by, they would put their money in the plate. I mean, kind of like ringing the bell when you leave Long John Silver's. You know what I mean? Like all of a sudden, you, you ring the bell. It's like the service was good. And all the people are walking out. And it's making the noise. And those who, who, who were wealthy would have pulled out their purses. They would have had like the, like the bags they would have carried their money in. And imagine them unloading. All of a sudden, you hear, you hear that money and the noise. But then Jesus says there's a woman who gave Two pennies, not even in the value of it, not even. Here's a woman, when everybody else is bringing, and here's a woman who comes by. That's it. Everybody else is sounding the bells, going through the place, dropping off their money they gave out of their wealth, but here's a woman who just dropped. I mean, they were the small ones that didn't even make noise, not even the big coins that would have rattled a little more. And Jesus said, and this always struck me, Jesus said she gave out of her poverty. And he's saying the same thing about the church in Macedonia. They gave more than they could afford. How in the world do you give more than you can afford? 
Except that you're committing to know that you live on an economy that is grace. What is grace? Grace is the power of God to do the impossible. Grace at work in my life. It is God's grace. I'm living off of God's grace. And when I live off of God's grace, he can allow me to do more. I can't tell you how it works. There's something about bringing God the tithe that causes a blessing. And he makes the 90% work even better than the 100% could work. I don't get it, but that's grace. I live under grace. How do you give more than you can afford? Grace. Grace. When we recognize grace, grace causes us, it causes the gift to get through us. It causes it to go beyond us more than we can afford. Here's the last thing. Here's what grace does. Grace involves you and I. Grace allows it to involve us. Grace allows it to involve us. Here's what I want you to hear today. I don't know how much noise you can make this bell ring today. I don't know how much you've got. I don't know what you're able to give in this missions offering. I don't know what kind of sounds you can make today. But here's what I do know. God doesn't need my money. And I know if you're here right now, you say, well, then preacher, what in the world are you talking about? Just say amen. Let's get out of here. No, you didn't hear it all. God doesn't need my money. I don't give because God needs something from me. I give because God allows me to be a part of what he's doing. Get this this morning. You don't have to give. I don't have to give. I get to give. The Bible says that those in Macedonia were like, please, Paul, Paul, please, please, come, please. And I know some of you are like, please, want to take up the offering. Hold on, just wait. The ushers are going to come in a minute. We'll take up the offering, but just, just settle down right now. They're saying to Paul, Paul, please, we're begging you. Let us be a part of the offering. Would you please? Paul says, but you're poor. Oh, but we know what God has done in us. We know that we're in an economy that's different. It's grace. We're giving an abundance of joy. And so we're richly generous, not because of what we have, but because we want to give and be a part. They said, Paul, please don't miss bringing an offering. Don't miss coming and collecting our offering. We want to be a part of what God is doing. I wonder today if there's a church who says, God, don't let us miss out. I want you to know grace. Here's grace. The mission of grace cannot be stopped, but it can be missed. Listen to me. The mission of grace, God's work, His grace upon this earth, the grace that God is setting in motion, grace that God is giving, and grace that God is doing, the work that He has and the plan that He has for this world, you cannot stop it, but you can miss it. Did you catch that? If you're here today and you say, well, I'm not giving. Hey, God bless you. I don't want you to give if you don't have a cheerful heart to give. It's not worth it. Because it's not about needing your money. It's about us saying we get to be a part of something that God is doing in this day. We have the privilege to be a part of something big. God doesn't need my money. Oh, but he allows me to be a part of what he's doing. I can't stop. Your giving can't stop what God's going to do because he's still the God who can make ravens show up at brooks and feed people. But yet he allows us to be a part of what God is doing. He gives us this privilege. I want to say to you today, you don't have to, but you get to. You get to be a part of what God is doing 
around the world. Let me close with this. Melchizedek is a high priest mentioned in Genesis. We know him to be a represent or to, to be Jesus, representing Jesus as the high priest. And some would say being Jesus himself. I don't want to get into all that. I, I just want to point out that here's Melchizedek, who Abraham, who's the father of the promise. The promise came to Abraham. Abraham, when he defeated some enemy armies and he received the plunder, the Bible says that he gave to Melchizedek. 10% of everything he received. You can go back in Genesis and read that, but here's what I want you to catch. Abraham, the father of the promise, gave a tithe. Moses came along, and Moses doesn't represent the promise or the covenant. Moses represents the law. Moses writes into the law that we're to give, along with everything else, that we're to do all the stuff and keep the law, give 10%. He writes the law. He writes so much that how many know none of us can keep the law? That if we try and live according to the law, none of us are going to be good enough. He writes in there the law of giving. But I want you to know, before the law of giving was ever written by Moses, it was already practiced under the covenant. Get this, get this, get this. The reason that's important is because the giving was part of the covenant. What's the covenant? It's like a marriage relationship that says we're in this together. I'm joined with you. You're joined with me. What I have is yours and what you have is mine. We belong together. And in a marriage relationship, Abraham was saying to God, God, you've given your promises to me and I'm giving you a promise. I'm joining you in what you're doing. The tithe became a connection to what God was about. And Abraham didn't give the tithe under the law because he had to. He gave it under the covenant because he got to. I don't know if you caught that this morning. Now some of you are like, I don't know if you can catch that, but if you let that get in your spirit, you get to say every time we take up the offering, it's time to take up the offering. Woohoo! I can't wait to be a part of what God is doing. Some of you are like, you're weird. Oh yeah, well you're, I'm just kidding. I don't know what I would say. I don't I want you to catch this, that giving is not me. Well, I gotta give to God what belongs to God. No, I get to be a part of what God is doing around the world. I'm not giving God my 10%. Well, he's asked for this, now i got to give it to him. No, I'm giving him 10% and more because I'm in a covenant relationship with him. He gave me everything. He gave me his promises. He gave me life itself. I live under grace, and I'm going to give him more than 10% because I get to be a part of this life with Jesus Christ thought I could get so offering or get excited about preaching an offering sermon but here's why because when I recognize it's not about money it's not about money and the problem is if it's still about money to us we miss it we miss it it's not about money it's not about money it's about relationship with Jesus Christ so I want to say to you today we're going to let you give in a missions offering in this thanks is giving offering. We're giving you the privilege and the opportunity today to be a part. And I want you to know, I'm not standing up here saying, here's our vision for 2017, although I could. 
I'd say, here's a vision. We want to start another campus. We want, to, we want to see things happen. I could say those things, and I could say, hey, let's raise money to do those things. But the leadership of this church said, we're not going to raise money for what we want to do, the vision that God has given us. We want to raise money to serve the vision that God has given other people because we believe and know it is better to give than to receive. We know the sowing and reaping, that when we send it out, God will take care of it getting back to us. Yeah, we've got a building that I'm still paying for a, praying for a million dollars to pay off that building. We don't need a million yet because it's now down less than that. But I'm still praying for the million because why stop big? I mean, just believe God for big things. And we're praying for a million. We could take up an offering and say, let's pay off the debt. Let's put more money on the debt. We say, no, let's send more money to missions. Let's send it out. Let's give to God. Let's send it forth. Let's let God take care of what he wants to do here. Let's join God with what he wants to do over there. Does that make sense? That's the heart of this church. I I want you to hear that because if you're a part of Faith Assembly... We want you to know the heartbeat of this leadership team here is to say, God, this is not about faith assembly. This is about the kingdom of God going forward. Give us Fayette County. Give us this region. Give us this area. God, give us eyes to see beyond, to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. I can't wait. What are you guys standing for back there with those bags? I can't wait. Get up here. Hurry. I, hurry, I got to put money in here. I can't wait to give. I, I'm going to give. In fact, I'm going to put, I, I want to give in the offering this morning because I've already been preparing. Some of you are like, oh, what are you, this is, no, I already knew what I was going to give today. Jody and I already knew what we were going to give. We're going to give because this is our privilege that we get to be a part. And I know this morning, this is my prayer in Jesus' name. God, would you give us the largest monthly missions offering we've ever received? And if you're here today and you're saying, man, Jason, you're all about money, then I, I kindly say to you, you didn't hear a word I said today. If your thought is this is all about money, then I, I kindly say to you, I'm sorry, but you didn't hear what the Spirit of the Lord was saying because the Spirit of the Lord will speak, but you got to remember, he also says, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. And so if you heard this is all about money, you don't have the ears of a, the Spirit wants you to have because this is not about money. This is about us being a part of something bigger than ourselves and us recognizing we live under grace. 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 If tithing was the law, then you stop at 10%. Well, we're saved under grace, so why stop there? Why stop there? Because he's got more than enough. Do you believe that? Are you ready to give? Anybody ready to give this morning? Anybody ready to give them this offer? You might say, I don't know how to get. Pull out your phone. Pull out your phone. You can give online. You can just go to, go to Faith Assembly, myfaithassembly.org. It'll give you a link right there. You can give online. You can put cash. You can sign a check. Just don't send your neighbor's check. Make sure it's your own check. I want you to hear me. Let me say this, though. Do be responsible before the Lord. But I want to say to you, if God's stretching you, then get ready to stretch. You hear me? I believe it would be of the Lord for me to say to you today, God would have you give what you've never given before to missions. I believe that's appropriate. Here's why. Because he's leading this pastor that direction, and he's leading this church team that direction, and he's not going to lead individuals in a direction that he's not leading the entire body. We're the body of Christ together. So I can, I can confidently say to you, God is challenging us to give beyond what we've given to missions before in a monthly offering. And if you've already given to missions this month, that's fine. 
I want you to know today, we're not raising money to build a building. We're not raising money to start a campaign. We're raising money to send to missionaries and to people around the world so that the gospel of Jesus Christ might go forth, that the work that is being done might only increase in Jesus' name. Is that all right? We okay with this? You ready to give? If you're ready to give, if you're ready to give, Father, this morning, we are ready to give. God, we're ready to honor you with what you have blessed us with. So God, today I pray that you would cause joyful hearts to rise up in us. God, make us ready. God, make us responsive. Bless this offering. And Lord, we look forward to rejoicing at the largest monthly offering to missions that we've ever received. Jesus, we want to give you praise already for what you're going to do as we honor you. Bless this offering today in Jesus' name. And every cheerful giver said, Amen Amen and amen. Come on, let's give to God. Let's do joyfully. Let's celebrate the privilege that we get to give to God today to be a part of what God is doing. Come on, let's celebrate it.